morning, everyone, again. Uh, last week, we introduced our new um, church theme for this church year is abide in Christ and bear much fruit. And we'll be spending a whole lot of time in John chapter 15. We'll take this is our second on the three-part series on the first portion of John 15. Then we'll take a little break and we will go to uh, have our missions conference for four weeks. Then we'll return back to John 15. And it's just a reminder for us why we spend so much time in John 15. The reason is that this is the teaching that Jesus has given to his own disciples before he launched them into this movement of making disciples of all nations. There are incredible truth and riches that we can learn from this teaching, and hopefully that will launch us into making disciples here from here in St. Gabriel Valley to the ends of the earth. We have a vision here in our church that we want to reach the 1.4 million people in St. Gabriel Valley who have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ. They have yet to experience the love, the peace, the eternal life that Christ has guaranteed to those who put their faith in him. And so in order to do that, first we need to look to ourselves. First, as we look at the passage, we see that we need to abide in Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week, that abiding in Jesus is essential for us as believers. It's not an optional thing. I can abide one day and not abide on the other. That abiding happens in a continual basis. It is a constant connection with the true vine. And last week, we talked about how it happens not as a mechanical to-do list, but it is really happens in a context of a loving relationship, that it is out of love that Jesus abides in us, and in return out of love, we abide in Jesus. We talk about we need to choose Jesus over everything that we have in this life, what we're going through, even our own lives, that choosing Jesus is the way for us to abide in him. So we're going to continue on today talking about how, what does it mean, what, 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 what is Jesus teaching here in John chapter 15. But before we do that, one of the challenges we have for us is we want to encourage you, exhort you, challenge you to memorize John chapter 15, verse 1 to 11 with us. Every week we'll be focusing on one verse, and we hope that it will encourage you together, whether individually, as a family, or as a small group, you can all memorize it together. As a small incentive to you, we hope, um, we hope that at the, by the end of all 11 verses, you can record yourself reciting all 11 verses in one sitting, uh, no editing and, and stitching it together. But uh, all one sitting, we have a little small gift for you to encourage you as you hide God's word in your heart. Today, we're going to go to John chapter 15, verse 2. That will be our memory verse. Uh, one tip for you in memorizing, make sure you review the verse before as well. But today, we'll do John chapter 15, verse 2. So if you can turn your Bible uh, with me or, or swipe there, John chapter 15, verse 2. Let's read it together. John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Let's say it together one more time. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Let's pray together before we go into today's sermon. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Would you tune our ears to hear the things you want us to hear? Tune our hearts to know the things you want to hide in our hearts. God, will you speak through me? 
May I be your mouthpiece today to communicate clearly the very truth that you want us to hear. God, help us not just be hearers of your word, but be doers of your word. May the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. The words of my mouth will be pleasing and acceptable to you. And God, we look to you, our Redeemer and our Rock. Would you get glory in our hearts and among us today? In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I am not a green thumb. But my father, my dad, has always been someone who loves gardening. Somehow that gene just skipped me. I never wanted to plant anything. Anything I plant dies. By God's grace, I can raise three kids so far. They're still okay, surviving. Uh, but we, I just never loved gardening. But I remember when I was young, my, my dad always spent time outside gardening and growing trees, growing flowers. And he would spend hours out in the yard. And I often wonder, what can he be doing? Like in my simple mind, all I think of growing trees and fruit trees is you plant a seed, you bury it in the ground, pour some water, and you do that every day, you know, multiple times a day. It doesn't take hours. And so I never understood what it takes for a tree to bear fruit. I thought the process as simple as planting seed, watering sun, boom, fruit comes. Until one day I decided to take a look outside. I noticed uh, I didn't actually step outside. I would stay inside on a couch where the window can look to the outside of my backyard. And I saw my dad doing his gardening work. And I was pretty young back then. I, all I remember was my dad took this scissor, a gardening pair, a pair of gardening scissors, and he proceeded to start cutting these branches. And in my simple mind, I'm thinking, wait, my dad must be the worst gardener there is. The name of the game is Grow Fruit Tree. And all my dad was doing was cutting the fruit branches and the fruit tree. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, if you want to grow something, what's the point of cutting it off? Isn't it the exact opposite of what you want to do? And I just saw my dad just go from one tree, snip, snap, snip, snap, to another tree, snip, snap, snip, snap. And then he just proceeded to cut a lot of the branches that seemingly are growing. And I didn't get that at all. And in my, in my amateur, ignorant eyes, my dad was the worst gardener. But later I found out, in the eyes of an expert grower, expert gardener. The job of a gardener is not simply plant the seed, grow it, water it, we have the sun and then bear fruit. Along the way, there is one very crucial step. The step called pruning. The reason why my dad needed to cut the branches is because he needed to prune the tree. The, the goal of pruning the tree is to make sure that the fruit, uh, the tree bears the best fruit, more fruit. And I didn't understand at all. And I thought, all you need to just grow, put seed, water, sun, and boom, fruit. Little do I know that pruning is, in, is an integral part of bearing fruit for a fruit tree. It is a non-negotiable in fact, when we look at this passage today in John chapter 15, again, we look at verse 2. It says this, there are only two options. We're reminded in verse 1 that Jesus is the true vine and the Father, God the Father, is the vine dresser. Some version has it as uh, the gardener. And then verse 2 says this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that 
does bear fruit, he prunes. There seemingly there are only two options that the gardener would do something to the branch. This is all of us are branch, and the gardener has two options. One is if the branch is not bearing fruit, he cuts it away. He takes it away. But for those who are bearing fruit, it says he prunes. So either you get taken away, thrown away, or he prunes you. Seems to me that pruning is not an option for believers. Pruning is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. But here's the problem. The pruning is not comfortable. Pruning literally means it cuts off, trims off, take away, breaks off. It involves pain. It involves losing something. Sometimes pruning can become in the form of physical, physical form. Maybe we get sick. Maybe we, we have some injury. Sometimes it can come in the form of emotions. Uh, we feel lonely. We feel depressed. Sometimes it comes in the form of even spiritually, and the ancient Christians will call it the dark night of the soul, that you're doing all the quote-unquote right thing, yet you don't feel close with God. You see, that's what happens with pruning. Is Pruning is never comfortable. It's never safe. It's oftentimes difficult. And the worst thing about pruning is not just the pain that we feel, but I believe the most difficult thing about pruning when God prunes our life is when, is when we feel exposed by God. See, pruning is so hard for us is because pruning exposes the idols in our lives. See, when God prunes us, He's not just taking it away because of the mean guy. When he prunes us, he is exposing the things that we put our trust, our confidence in. And that's why it's so painful. That's why it hurts so much when we are pruned by God, being pruned by God. Because it exposes the things that we put much value and faith and trust in. And so when we look at this passage, he said pruning is unavoidable. Pruning is non-negotiable. If we want to continue to bear fruit for Jesus, continue to be fruitful in our Christian lives, we have to be pruned. And yet on the other, the other reality is pruning is so difficult. So the question I want to explore for us today is this. How do we endure in season of pruning? Let's be honest. I think some of us are going through a season of pruning today. See, COVID has exposed for many of us idols in our lives that perhaps it was not so noticeable. See, when God prunes us, he's trying to take those idols away so that we have space to grow to become more like Jesus. See, COVID had placed before us, most of us think of COVID as a deterrent to our, uh, to our faith, deterrent to God's mission. On the other, uh, uh, in the, on the other, on the other side, actually, what COVID is doing, COVID is actually an accelerant accelerant for us to be able to grow accelerant to expose the idols in our lives and god might be doing some pruning in our life and the question we want to ask today is how do we continue to find strength to find faith to persevere in a time in a season of pruning in our lives if you have never gone through a season of pruning trust me it will come a small degree to to a large degree it will be something that we'll continue to wrestle with because Jesus wants us to bear more fruit. And so how do we find strength in season of pruning? The first way we can find strength in season of pruning is this, that we need to trust in the vine dresser. 
that we must have faith that the vine dresser, the gardener, knows what he is doing. See, in the passage, he tells us in John chapter 15, verse 1, we talked about last week here, the, the roles that different, part, different people, different entities are playing in this picture that Jesus put before us. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true one. Jesus speaking, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. We jump down to verse 5, I am the vine, Jesus is the vine, you people are the branches. So let's get this clear. Jesus is the true vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener, and we are the branches. It's simple enough, but most, of, most often, a lot of times, we actually have it upside down. We still think Jesus is the vine, but somehow we think we are the gardener, and God the Father is the branch. What I mean by that is that oftentimes, we think that we're the boss, and God just come alongside to do our bidding. Yes, I need Jesus, but I need Jesus for what I want to get done. I need Jesus for the plans that I have for my life. But Jesus reminds us, no, 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 God the Father is the gardener. He's the one who is in charge. He's the one, he's the master. He's the one who planted the garden. I mean, think with me for a second. Think of a branch. A branch has absolutely no intellectual or physical capacity to do any gardening. In fact, you can argue that the branch cannot exist unless the gardener planted the seed, grow the plant, and out of the offshoot of the, the true vine, the branch was born. A branch in and of itself can't do anything. They just take and take, and as they receive nourishment, they grow. But on the other hand, the gardener, while the gardener cares for each branch, the gardener takes good care, like my father, takes good care of each branch and at times prunes it, he has the mastermind behind the whole garden. A branch has no idea what the other branch is doing. A branch has no idea what this other plant is doing, this other fruit tree is doing, but the gardener does. The gardener has a plan in mind to plant, to, to, to put plants around the garden. He's the one who's building up the garden. You see, when we're in a season of pruning, we need to be reminded, we need to be convicted that God the Father is that great gardener. He is the vine dresser. He has the perfect uh, picture in mind. He has the big picture in mind. What he's doing is not a mistake. On the other hand, it is for a good purpose. See, while we know that the branch can do anything, don't know, doesn't know anything, we know on the other hand, the Father, the, the vine dresser knows everything. In fact, the scripture tells us that he does everything for your good and my good. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well-known verse that we, we, tend, we quote a lot. And we know that for those who love God, listen carefully, all things work together for good. Not something, not 99% of things, everything, all things are work for together for what? For good, for your good and my good. And for God's good, for those who are called according to his purpose. The vine dresser's purpose. Everything God does is not for evil. Everything God does is not because he's mean. He want to play a trick on you. Even in season of pruning, he is doing it for your good. But not only does he do it for our good, he does it out of love for us. 
There are so many verses in the Bible that, that characterize God's love. I want to quote one here from Psalm 25, verse 10. It says that all the paths of the Lord, in other uh, version, has all the ways of the Lord, are steadfast love and faithfulness. Everything God does is out of love. Even in his judgment, it was done out of love. God does things for your good and my good. God does things to love you and love me. And there's no better example than the cross. If you, see, need, if you need to see a picture of how God, the Father, the gardener, have the best plan there is, that his plan is better than what you and I can conjure up on our own, just take a look at the cross. See, on the day when Jesus died on the cross, his disciples thought that they were the worst day in history. In fact, even his opponents thought that they had won. Even Satan thought he got Jesus down on the ground. But that was just 10% of the iceberg, isn't it? In the most, arguably the most devastating day of, in the history of humanity, three days later, it became the greatest comeback in all of the world, all of the human history. Jesus raised from the dead. And what perceivable by human being, we think that it was the worst thing that can happen to a savior. Three days later, Jesus conquered death. And he did it out of what? He sacrificed, pruned his own son even unto death for what? For your good and for, my, for, for, for love for you and for me. You see, when we are in the middle of season of pruning, we need to trust in the vine dresser. You trust the vine dresser not because you can make sense of it. You trust the vine dresser not because you can understand everything. Because you are the branch. You don't understand everything. I cannot understand everything. We trust the vine dresser because our vine dresser has a good track record. He has already sent his son to die for you. What else can, would he withhold from us? Even in the season of pruning, God is loving you and he's doing something good in you. So we must be mindful of that. We must be convicted by that so that we don't get distracted by the, by the things and the circumstances of our pruning. Instead, we need to fix our eyes and trust in the vine dresser. That's the first thing we need to do. A second way that we need to find strength, the second way we can endure in a season of, of a pruning is we must learn to say yes to God even when our flesh is screaming no. We need to learn to say yes to God, even though we're experiencing pain, even though we are going through trials while our flesh is screaming. I'll say, no, no, no. See, part of enduring the, the, the pruning, what part of perseverance means that we are going to come under, submit to the plan and the purpose of the vine dresser. We need to submit to him. We need to cooperate with him. We need to say yes to him. We need to be more like Joseph in the Old Testament than like Jonah to run away from what God had in store for us. John chapter 15, verse 2 again says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? Why did God prune us? Because it's for, for our good. Why is it for our good? That it may bear more fruit. See, the purpose of pruning is so that we can get good at bearing fruit. But here's the problem with good. We all want the good, 
but we don't want to pay for the good. Like I like non-GMO, antibiotic, organic chicken, cage-free eggs. I just don't like paying $9.99 per pound for that chicken when I can buy for 99 cents per pound with all the labels. So we all love a healthy uh, body, but we don't like to eat veggie. We all love straight A's, but we don't like to study. We all love good, but we don't want to pay the price for the good. And the same thing is true. We know that it is good to bear more fruit. But the price of paying more, getting more, uh, bearing more fruit comes with God pruning us. Comes with us being trimmed by God. God taking things away from us, exposing us to some of the idols that we have hidden in our hearts. You see, pruning is never easy. It is always a struggle. I want to share a short uh, story with us from one of our brothers in our church in his ongoing struggle right now, being pruned by God. Let's listen together. Weeks ago, I've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes um, with an A1C of 14.3. Those of you that don't know, Regular, normal people with um, A1C would be about like less than 5.6 or so. Um, And I've also been diagnosed with high blood pressure and uh, high cholesterol. And um, that definitely um, scared me. Um, And I was definitely, I don't know, I was filled with mixed emotions with being angry at myself or uh, just being angry with God of, you know, why does this have to happen to me? We've just uh, bought a house. Uh, my son has just turned five. Um, you know, my wife is, is wonderful. And um, yeah, so those just those things were just going through, through my head. And um, yeah, I think mainly just, just why, why, why me? And um and then Pastor Ben texts me and you know just asked me how I was doing and then I had a chance to share share with him and you know he mentioned that you know sometimes God uses our uh, physical to awaken our spiritual and I think that definitely encouraged me to to look to reflect back at my um, my spiritual walk with uh, life my spiritual walk with God my you know my looking at Maybe I wasn't taking um, my walk with God seriously. Um, maybe I had, I think I had the mindset of, oh, you know, I could just push it off and do it another day. But I think looking back, I, I think I, you know, I should have definitely taken God's um, gift of you know, reading the word and, and praying um, a lot more seriously. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, doing, sticking closer with God, uh, bad things will not happen or this condition may not have happened. But I think being closer to God, um, and, uh, knowing his word by heart will definitely help me see that um, God will, will, God will or can uh, use the situation to, um, to glorify him. And, and I know his ways are way higher than mine. And his plans are way greater than, than my plans. 
and um, I think I just definitely just gotta trust him. Um, so when when I first found out, <laughs> I guess my immediate reaction was just to uh, eat eat correctly, um, reevaluate what what um, what brought me to this point, and so I figured I just. I just have to do whatever I can to um, to fix this situation. First, maybe not relying on God, but after I tried exercising once or twice a day, and I noticed that my blood glucose was still going down, and I got really scared. And uh, I think once I woke up in the middle of the night, like at three in the morning, I, I wasn't able to breathe, so I had to take a walk around the house. Um, uh, but yeah, and, and then I, I realized I, I couldn't do it on my own and that I, I needed God's help. And, and so I started reading the word and just praying just to calm myself down. And, um, and yeah, and so, yeah, I just wanted to encourage everyone to, to abide in Christ. And um, even though I still have type 2 diabetes as of right now, I, I think that our, our God is the God of impossibilities and um, God can make the impossible possible. I appreciate our brother's honesty with um, what he's going through. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for him as he's um, continuing to battle with um, his diabetes. Um, but one thing I think reminds me of is this, that every time when we're in season of pruning, we have several options. There are several ways we can go about it. I think one way is we can totally resist it. We can resist God and say, God, no, I'm not going to deal with you about this. I'm just going to do whatever I want, kind of like what Jojo was sharing with us that you're trying to do everything you can within your power and trying to overturn the things that maybe God is allowing to happen in your life. You resist him, you resist the condition, you resist the situation. And then there's another way is instead of resisting, you might resent God. You might ask God, why me? Why, why not somebody else? You may start questioning the goodness of God. You may start forgetting that your vine dresser actually loves you. And this is not an act of punishment but it is act of perhaps discipline or, even, or, or love. And so we can resist him, we can, we can resent him, but I think this, the, the response that God wants from us is neither resist or resent, but really is, a, is one of submission. That we're submitting, coming under, receiving him, trusting him in whatever that we're going through, saying yes to him, even though our body, our mind are, 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 are fighting and say, no, no, no. I can't find of a better picture of submission, even a model for prayer to submit to God in times of, 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 of um, pruning than Jesus being in the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, you remember that scene of the story? He was in the garden of Gethsemane. The irony was thick because he was literally in a place where all of us are being pressed, pressed into oil, pressed to, be, to become useful oil for, for, for consumption. And it was at that place the night before Jesus was about to be betrayed and crucified. Jesus prayed this to the Father. He has this wrestle with God about submission. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Jesus praying and said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
here I simply, I want to share with us three ways that if you are in the midst of, of pruning, this is a prayer that you can pray. One of the best ways we can pray to God and submit to him is by first affirming God's power in your life. Jesus said, God, uh, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. That God has all the power in the world. Even in the midst of his pruning, even in this road to, to, to be crucified, God has all the power. Declare, acknowledge that God has the power in your life. And then he continued to pray and ask with passion. He continued to ask with, with, with genuine thoughts and, and in his heart. And he says, remove this cup from me. This is what Jesus himself, our Lord Jesus, facing death on the cross, he said, would you please remove this cup from me? It was in that scene that Jesus was, was sweating with blood. It was that intense and he was honest with the Father and asked God. And that's what we need to do in our season of pruning. We can, uh, we can accept and we can affirm God's power. We can also ask him, God, would you deliver me? I know you have all the power. I know, would you help me in this area? But the submission comes in this last part. In his prayer, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Submission means we are going to accept God's will. Accept God's plan no matter what. That yes, God, you can do everything. Yes, God, if it's up to me, I want you to deliver me from this burden, this, this, this trial, this pruning. But submission means I'm going to accept whatever God you see as best for me. See, that's what we need. We need to say yes to God's will even when we inwardly want to say no. Everything of every being of our, our, every fiber of our being is screaming no. We say, God, let your will be done, but not my will be done. Every person being used by God has been pruned by God. I, I look, just a quick glance through the Bible. You see Abraham waited 25 years before his first child. Father of all nations, he didn't get a child for 25 years. Joseph sold into slavery in prison for 15 years before he rose to second person in command in Egypt and delivered the people of God. Moses waited for 40 years in the desert before God allowed him to take his people out of Egypt. David, 25 years being chased down, pursued by King Saul, almost died before he finally became the king that God called him to be. Last and certainly, but not least, Jesus 40 days in the desert, tempted by Satan himself before he began his public ministry. Do you want to be used by God? Then we need to say yes to God that his will, not my will, be done. Not only do we need to trust in the vine dresser, we need to say yes to God, his will be done, even when our flesh screams no, Here's the last thing we need, and we are to persevere well in the season of pruning. And again, it is essential, it is critical for us to bear fruit. We must be pruned by God. So how do we do that? The third one is this. The third way is we must be washed over by the truth of God regularly. I mean, we must be washed over, cleansed, sanctified by God's word regularly. You see, in the season of pruning, we are the most susceptible to the lies of Satan. 
when the fiery furnace crank up to, to seven times hotter than it normally is, when you're being pressed and squeezed, are, are the condition, the circumstances in life tend to get our attention better than what God speaks to us, than what God's declared to be true about us. That was the case for Jesus when he was tempted in 40 days. John 15 verse 3 says this, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. You and I are clean. You and I are pure before God, not because of anything we've done, but because of the word pronounced upon us when Jesus died on the cross, that our sins are forgiven. So we have eternal life because of the word, that the promise of God carried out in full, full uh, in fulfillment in our lives. But oftentimes in times of pruning, we forget about those words. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget what God has already done for us in, uh, through Christ. And just like in the desert for 40 days, Satan keep tempting Jesus, give, promise him comfort, promise him success, promise him security. And every time, the only defense that Jesus Christ himself had against Satan was God's word itself. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I don't know if you've ever been to a chem chemistry lab or in your classroom. I didn't like chemistry going through school. But if you've ever been to one, there's always this station, eye-washing station. The purpose of that station is simple, is that if you somehow spill some chemical in your eyes, the first thing you ought to do is not go rub it all over yourself and make it worse as you, you, go, you dash quickly to that station and start rinsing your eyes because you need to wash it off. Man, what a great picture for many of us, myself included, how often our eyes are being soiled and polluted and being affected by, by the lies of Satan by the things we watch, by the things we hear. Our eyes has been exposed to all these lies that Satan had, had craftily planted into your heart and into my heart. And we desperately need to wash our eyes frequently and regularly. We regularly need to come before that washing station, before the word of God, which is no surprise. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 36, that to ask God to open up his eyes so he can behold, so he can look at the wonderful things in the word of God. We need to be reminded daily throughout the day of what was said about God and what was said about us. Because in season of pruning, we often forget what God said to be true about himself and about us. Satan is going to attack and, act and let you think that you're going through a season of pruning because you have somehow, and somehow God didn't love you as much as he loved the other person. He's going to question whether you really have faith in God. He even goes so far and say, challenge you, are you really saved? You see, those times, those seasons of pruning, those are times we need to wash our eyes clean by the, from these lies and we need to be reminded of what the word of God says about God, what the word of God says about us. Every day when we get into the word of God, I want you to answer these two questions. Every passage that you read, ask yourself, who is God? What has God done and what God, is God promising to do in my life, in your life? And the second question is this, who are you? Who are we as human being? 
We need to be reminded of the weaknesses that we have as human beings, the limitation we have in, as humanity. But also we need to be reminded that out of the dark pit of sin, this merciful God graciously rescued us. And now we're called heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. That through the season of pruning, we don't have to believe in the lies. We need to be washed over by these truths daily. And not just during the season of pruning. Here's the truth. Most of the times when during the season of pruning, none of us are, are, have the heart and desire to want to open up the word of God and read. We need to get in the habit of being washed over by the truth of God daily. So that when the season of pruning shows up, when Satan starts throwing darts at you, you have the word of God to defend yourself. To find strength and to persevere in season of pruning requires us to put our trust in the vine dresser. To know that he is the gardener, we are the branch. Not only that, we also need to say yes to God. We need to submit to him. We need to say, God, let your will be done, even though I, I, I feel like my will is better. But God, I'm going to trust that your will is the best for my life, even if it's through pain and trial and suffering. And we also find strength as we're being washed over, cleansed by the word of God to affirm who we are in Christ so that we will not be deceived and bent out of shape by the lies of Satan. An oyster get super irritated when there's a grain of sand that enter into a shell. And there's no way for an oyster to get rid of that sand. So what it does in order to comfort itself, what it does, it will start coating that sand over and over again. By coating that, that grain of sand, it's not going to get rid of that sand. But what it does, though, it does comfort that oyster. And over a period of time, that coating becomes something that will cause you an arm and leg to buy. A pearl. Did you know what a pearl is? A pearl is someone else's irritation. A pearl is someone else's pain. A pearl is somebody else pruning that God has somehow allowed. But what it does, though, is it creates beauty, it creates elegance. It creates worth and value. And it blesses those who behold that pearl in their hand or in their necklace, in their jewelry. See, God, sometimes God allows us to be pruned so that it can benefit other people. Perhaps it can be an encouragement for some other people. Perhaps it can be a challenge. Perhaps it can be exhortation. And the greatest of all, perhaps it can be a salvation for somebody else as they look into your life. And by God pruning you, they've seen the worth and the value of Jesus Christ. And they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Then the question is for us, are we willing to be pruned by God? For our vine dresser so that we can bear more fruit for him 
for his glory and for the blessing of others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our vine dresser. God, we confess to you there are so many times that we think we are the vine dresser. We think we know what's best for our lives. And Lord, even through seasons of pruning in our lives, at the moment we cannot see it, we cannot see any good out of it. Because so many of us can testify when we look back, we have seen how you have loved us so much through that process. Even you have allowed that process to cause good to happen in our lives. So God, I just want to pray for any one of us watching and listening that are going through a season of pruning. We pray for our brother Jojo. Pray for any others who are going through a season of pruning. God, I pray that you'll open their eyes to see your truth. Lord, proclaim over them, sing over them the truth of your word. Lord, help them to pray and trust you. Trust you even when, when, when life doesn't make sense. Trust you even when they feel like they want to give up. But Lord, hold them close to you. Lord, I pray that they will carry their cross patiently with great submission. And when they do that, God, I pray that your cross will carry them to the end. And so for those of us who, have, who are not in a season of pruning, God, prepare us. Hide those truths in our hearts so that when you prune us, we'll be ready to cooperate and come alongside and come under you so that we can bear much fruit. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.